Hey everybody, this is Drew. This is Blake. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Controllers podcast. we're going to be talking about just one game in particular. It's called Battle Chasers Night War. Yeah, this is actually the only game we've ever decided to give to a Kickstarter for. I'm pretty sure this game was brought to our attention by our buddy Sean, who knows how many years ago, how long this, three or four years ago, this game was doing Kickstarter for. Yeah, it was a while, yeah. It was sometime... <laughs> I mean, it was a while ago. It was a while ago. Wild but uh, we don't normally do Kickstarters or anything because majority of the time, most Kickstarters or any actually crowdfunding things, most things, especially for video games, tend to fail. You probably only ever hear about the successes, and those are the super successes, the big, big ones. I'm not going to go on naming all the big ones. You've probably heard of most any of them, but uh, this one wasn't a dramatic success, but it was enough to for the game to actually come out and actually exist in the real world. It was also only uh, part funded. Part funded. Oh, because THQ Nordic stepped in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they had already had it started, and they just wanted some money so they could add in extra stuff for fans. And- I think THQ Nordic stepped in for distribution. Because mm-hmm. it might have originally only been digital copies. I'm not sure how that went down. We'd already donated because, like I said, it was pointed out by our friend. We already dug deep into it and it was actually looking pretty good. We actually gave a while before, I think, THQ Nordic even got involved with getting the game to come out. This is the first game of a brand new company, Airship Syndicate, which the company is founded by, what's his name? Joe Madria. But most people just call him Joe Mad. Joe Mad, cool. Uh, you will know him right away if you see any uh, what the art for this game looks like. His biggest claim to fame would be doing the art for the Darksiders franchise. I'm not sure if he touched on Darksiders 3 that much, besides them just following in his footsteps. I don't know if he was involved in that game. That. His name anywhere? Not that I'm aware of. He might have characters created by... Probably said he had characters based on what created I'm pretty sure by. he did do Darksiders 1, and then... I'm pretty he, sure he did 2. He should have been involved in 2 before Vigil Games would have been dissolved and stuff like that back when THQ died originally, and then he moved on. He For the time frame, it seemed like he would have almost immediately began putting airships in to get together and trying to get a game made. You see, this was their first project back in uh, 2015. Yeah, so it's a brand new company. And they were pretty good at keeping uh, on the what's happening with the Kickstarter and stuff like that and the stretch goals and what the stuff they were adding and all that fun stuff. So it was our only but still a good experience through Kickstarter. I don't know if I'd do another one or not. The the game, Battle Chasers Night War, is actually based off of a, a comic book that he himself drew and wrote back in the early 90s. I think 97? Yeah. And say one of the Kickstarter perks, are they called, mm-hmm. was actually getting digital copies of all the original comics. So we had those. I, I think I picked them a little. I might have read them a year before I even played the game and then didn't remember to do it again. I think you read it after you beat completed the game. Yeah, I read, I think it's only 10 issues. Yeah. And I read all those probably the week or two after I beat the game. Yeah, so the game is loosely based after the events of the comic, but it's not necessarily important. 
No. The story isn't, we'll say right now, leading the story isn't the strong side of this game as we get into it. Uh, no, uh, unfortunately it's, how do you call that type of th storytelling? It's very, because the game's broken down into a, a bunch of different dungeon crawls. Yeah. Uh, pretty decent dungeons, randomly generated, they're all pretty fun. But what happens is it does a thing where there's a tiny bit of dialogue prior to entering the dungeon, and then you do the dungeon and there's a final cutscene, and yeah. that's it. And the yeah. dungeons take like, what, 45 minutes to an hour to complete. They're, yeah, they can about. be pretty rough and extensive. Just depends on how well prepared you are. How much so? Before we dig into the dungeons, we need to say this, this is a classic turn-based style RPG. The three character party. The character party that you can swap out. A total of six characters. Because of how the game plays and stuff like that, and making the characters powerful enough and getting correct builds and stuff for New Game Plus, I actually really only used the three starter characters. I think one or two of them. Maybe one or two of them were actually Kickstarter like goal, think, goal bonuses. Like they 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 weren't originally characters until they reached a certain what's the freaking term for tier goal tier yes some sort of tier. And they had added additional playable characters. I figured that the initial three characters you start with in the very beginning of the game they mesh so well that I didn't really see any need to use the other characters. The game never makes you use the other characters. It's entirely up to the party you want to use because you don't start with all them right away you gotta you start with the three and then you travel around and you eventually acquire the other three eventually by the time you get the other ones your level difference is kind of kind of drastic i feel like that it can be yeah. yeah we played through quite different times but we were so, what a month apart if that if, if even that well blake guinea pigged it for me because he actually bounced around all the characters and swapping them around and doing all that stuff come to find out it was more or less a waste of time no i enjoyed them like they all like have very specific roles in combat of what they do and they're all good in their own way yeah but because part of this game i did 1k it did you yeah, 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 I did, yeah. Because there's a, one of the rougher achievements was a New Game Plus. Yeah. And that makes the whole world level up, which I didn't care for. And because I went through it, I, t I gave Drew a bit of advice early on was don't swap off these three characters. Yeah, because they'll be who I use on the New Game Plus. They're, yeah, the three of them just mesh so well, cover each other's weaknesses, we can break into characters a little bit. A little bit of explanation about... It doesn't matter who they are. The story is weak. Where this game shines and where most of this episode will probably be, probably be about is the combat itself. This is probably one of the best turn-based combat systems I've ever played because of the, the amount of options you have. And uh, there's this feeling of... How do you explain it? Like, did I make the right choice sometimes when you're in combat? Because the combat can go... If you're not prepared, the combat can turn on you really rapidly. Yes. Yes, it can. And, or just putting all your hope, you're like, please let this move hit. And then it misses, and you're like, yeah, I'm Or it doesn't to. crit like you need it to, or, or the speed. There's lots and lots. This, this is definitely a big-time game of math, and I, I enjoy that. That's part of why I like a good turn-based game. Not all of them are as good as this one when it comes to combat, but I'll take this over any action game any day. But to get to the characters, we'll kind of... Maybe we can get on how they, how they mesh in combat. You'll know more about the other additional three than I will. Yeah. Uh, you start, of course, with... Oh, I guess it's a story. You get separated in the opening cutscene, so you're actually running around as Gully. 
Is that short for something? Just Gully. Just, just Gully. It's a little girl that you know her from the comic, if you will. You ain't got to read the comic, but she has this magic glove. You might know more of the story. She has this magic glove that They're protects her. They're her father's her. magic gloves. Yeah, there's just gloves that make her strong and actually protect her because she's so tiny but she can take hits and explosions and all kinds of which ironically as you come to find out immediately in combat she is your tank this tiny little girl ends up being your tank for the whole game and it's kind of interesting watching her take hits next to some of the other characters but mainly her combat roles end up being all defensive she can conjure shields for your party she has no healing abilities but she does protect oh taunting is yeah, the big so one she can taunt and guard so she'll taunt, and then, of course, it's simple RPG. So if she taunts, draws all the attacks to her, her defense and HP and stuff will be so high. Or you've drawn so many shields onto her, because you can stack shields onto her, that, which enemies have to go through shield In to, to, to even get to her health bar. So she can do that, and she can push, push shields onto the rest of the party, too, in case they're taking hits, because the taunt does wear off. The taunt lasts. The taunt is number of attacks, yeah, not number of turns. So three attacks, I think Blake said, her taunt fades. But you can just keep re-upping the taunt over and over again. Next, as I say, for her being the tank, the next character you stumble upon is Calibretto, which is a, he's a war golem. Yeah, war golem. War golem. He's a giant, huge robot. Uh, he's really cool. Debatably the most interesting of the characters, you think, maybe? Well, because... Well, I know this from the comic book, but you find out a little bit that what he is is a war golem. They were used in a war uh, about a, yeah, of course, about a thousand years ago or so, but then were deemed too dangerous after the war. Both sides agreed and destroyed them all. Except for him, I guess he can Except for maybe a few stragglers that were whatever, but... We ain't got to him yet, make one of the other characters protect him? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, Finds him and restored him. And yeah, so Calibretto's pretty dope. He's an awesome war golem mech thing. What, with, seven, eight feet tall? He's yeah, a big he's, he's huge. And he actually focuses, he's a bit of a, a mix between your straight-up attacker through a good piece of the game and your main healer, which is odd for somebody of his size, but I guess because he, for fighting war, I, I didn't know healing would be such a good factor for him. I definitely, of your standard, like, RPG-type classes, he's definitely a cleric. Cleric. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because he has the defense of a cleric and the healing ability. Yeah, I guess a cleric is a good... And he can sling uh, several different status effects, like the... uh, well, the the Gaia's touch that lets you whenever you hit an enemy you heal back a percentage. Yeah, his cleansing. Number, it's yeah, he does a lot of healing and a lot of restoratives. And the sunder. Uh, yeah, so I'm going. His biggest thing he does, and by uh, his default basic attack, gut punch bestows the status effect sunder on every enemy. Nothing's immune to it. All bosses are susceptible to it. Mm-hmm. And I think by default, is it 10%? They take 10% they take 10, extra damage. 10% more physical damage. And you can stack that uh, later in the game, which you get other abilities that add more sunder. Gully gets another ability that adds more sunder later in the game. And you can upgrade his specific sunder from 10% to 25% once you have yeah. enough. Yeah, when you level, uh, get some uh, down his... Uh, skill tree. So I found that to be pretty, him to be pretty amazing right out the gates because Goli, when she's not defending, she is a, a physical attacker. She doesn't seem to have magic. She have any magic? She has quite a few. Like, well, uh, her shields are magic. Everything else seems to be a physical attack. So she's more of a physical fighter, So which pairs right along with his sundering for physical defense. He has other physical attacks himself, 
But I think some of his fire moves are magic damage, cannon blasts, and stuff cannon like that. Magic. But, but he still lean, leans more into the physical side of things. So automatically you see, and him being a healer on top of things, him and Gully already pair very well together. But one other thing that should be noted is, I don't you don't see this happen in a lot of video games that I'm aware of, but when your main, I guess your main number stat is your attack power. And the cool oh, thing yeah. for this is both Bretto's heals... And Gully's shields are directly uh, tied to their attack power. So the more damage he can do, the more he can heal, yeah. and vice versa for her when she casts her shield. Because so pretty- you'll see right in the beginning, like when some of his first healing spells or any of your attacks, really, it'll say it heals this number to whatever target, and it seems real low at first. But then you, you change a weapon or you level up a couple times, and because you think that's a, the number you're stuck with, and you're not, you'll start seeing that number grow as uh, throughout the game. The, the numbers of the attacks exponentially yeah they grow dramatically with your characters as they become more and more powerful third character our third character is his name's Garrison basically he's just your standard I wouldn't even call him a knight he's more of like a barbarian probably because he he has no little bio calls him a fallen knight I guess yeah but like just in general there's no defense he even at the end of the game he has like half or less than of Gully or Bretto's. Yeah. But he will have double their attack power. Or triple. Depending depending on... Depending on your character build. So he comes in right away wielding two-handed swords. There's no defense in this guy's repertoire. He is not there for defending. Which, like Blake said earlier, with people covering other people's weaknesses... Gully is a fantastic character to protect Garrison as he builds up his certain attacks that take a little bit of building up for him to absolutely embarrass certain uh, enemies and bosses sometimes when he can unleash a, a perfectly prepared attack. It's gorgeous when the steps just fall yeah. perfectly in line and you see that number. You can break damage in this game Yeah, easy. Yeah. Uh, break damage. Anybody don't know what that means? Basic RPGs or any RPGs. Uh, da- the max damage is nine 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 nine. Uh, some RPGs like this one will let you break damage and break health too. Their their health gets really high. Enemies. But there wasn't even any. It was just like, yep, this is going to happen. You just start breaking it. There yeah. was no uh, build up like in certain games where you unlock the break damage ability. Or it, was just, it was just it was just happening. Garrison's gonna destroy people beautifully. Yeah, so he will take shields from Gully because it, it is the dude can't take a hit for nothing. He <laughs> he takes as good as he heals, not, not, not as good as he gives. I guess how you say it. He gives, but he can't Better take than nowhere. Yeah, he yeah. gives much more. He can, just he can about take. any boss or anything, especially when we get around the new game plus. Lots of things can just drive him right into the ground, and it almost sometimes seems like the AI. Knows, knows knows the weakest link in your party defense wise unless you're taunting because you I don't know if Blake did but, but through my new game plus I spent with a, a gully almost taunting consistently every battle while Garrison destroyed the battlefield almost single handedly and Bredo healing and attacking Bredo occasionally heal when you need to yeah I'll take the uh, the, the next three okay. I barely use them so I'll probably be sort of quiet let Blake burn through the last three characters and then we'll probably stay focused on the main what I think is the main party oh yeah uh, our next fellow we'll get is a man named Nolan. A very old mage wizard, standard magic user. He, see, uh, how Bredo does Sunder for physical attacks. Nolan's base physical attack called, like, Magic Strike or something. I think it's... Shot? Is it Magic Shot? Yeah, they didn't want to say Magic Missile for some reason. I don't know <laughs> why. But, it, yeah, I think it's called Magic Shot. And it does something called Arcane Sick. 
which is just the magic version of Sunder, where they take 10% more magic damage, and that's all his attacks are magic. Mm -hmm. And I think Garrison's got one or two magic attacks, like actual hurting ones, and Bredo's got a few. Gully has none in damage. His rage, his rage wave magic? For it's physical. He has that other one, uh, Blood Siphon. That's one magic attack he might have. Well, he has Never that has. one, and he has like one or two other ones yeah. that are associated with that, his bleed stuff. Yeah. I wouldn't even talk about his bleed. But that, that we'll get into that when we talk about builds, probably. Okay. Uh, besides doing the arcane sick, Nolan does work as a secondary healer. Yeah. Uh, you think he's going to be your primary one because he is the first one that gets a an all heal ability. He it's his first healing thing is an all heal, and but, he. Calibretto gets one too. Way later, but yes. Yeah. As well as healing and arcane sick, he does a lot of elemental damage, fire, lightning, and ice specific. But those, one of the cool things that this game does is stats effects are key. Devastating, actually. Very key. Because when he hits an enemy with his fire attack, uh, it stacks burns and ignite. Ignite, yeah, it stacks ignite and will slowly burn the enemy's health away. Every turn they take a, they kind of pop, they kind of explode a little bit with a little fire, take some damage. He also has a an ice shot that it builds up. Then as it builds up, it actually makes your opponent go slower in the roster of attacks. So you, if you hit him enough times, you can actually make him skip a turn and let Garrison come in early with his supercharge attack and wipe out stuff. So they they actually they can work hand in hand fairly well. Besides that. He does have a lot of all-hitting magic spells, like fire, ice, and all that stuff, and it's all... Seems to be pretty fun. He actually, based off one of his builds, if you do all the perk points properly, he can actually end up, but you have to have... It's like his max perk point, which mm -hmm. uh, gives him like a point of attack power for every 10 points of MP he has, and can actually make him stronger than Garrison. But that's literally end of the game. Well, I'm not sure if he'd have the crit power and stuff like that. He won't. He wouldn't need it because all because every every single one of his attacks hits everybody and stuff like that. So I think that's kind of it. He's just your standard. I will call him a just an age. Those are fire. He's like a, a glass cannon. Yeah. He can't take hits either. Yeah, even less so than less Garrison. so than Garrison. Yeah. Now we're gonna switch to our next character. She goes by Red Monica. She's your standard uh, rogue. Yes. Just your standard rogue. Well, guns, not daggers. Yeah, she uses dual pistols. Her stuff is pretty cool. I talked about earlier stats effects being very key. She goes a slightly different route. She does, I think she can deal blind, as well as her standard attack call. I think it's called like slingshot or wild sling, where it automatically gives a random of any stats effect in the game to the enemy. As well as she has like bombs and stuff that can cast ice and fire as well. Yeah. And poison. And then, I'm trying to think. She also actually, one of her specials is like a charm bomb that will actually turn a weaker enemies to your side for like a turn or two. I never used it. So she can be very useful. Her main thing is she does lack defense much like the other two, uh, Garrison and Nolan. But she has a special thing where if you build her right, you, she can't do hit. Yeah. She has like she's yeah, immensely high evasion. To a point she has a secondary attack, a primary attack. Yeah. That every time it's successful, it gives her a 0.5% extra evade for that fight. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it builds really quickly. 
Yeah, for every single one of her attacks. And, like, if you're doing, like, say you have a, the proper team build and you got her slinging ice and Nolan slinging ice, and so she's taking way more turns than an enemy and they can't hit her. And then she has... I think she has perk abilities that when, when she evades, she gets attack boost or some sort of weird or she gets a crit chance in Greece yeah. for every evasion she does. And then she is nothing but slinging status effects because she has a, an amazing ability called, like, what's her battle perk called? It's called Crit Poison. Whenever she gets a critical attack from anything, it adds poison as well. So that opening attack, I think it's called Wild Shot. So if she'll hit them, they'll get a random status effect. And if she crits them, they'll get poison plus a random status effect. Yeah. Including sometimes double poison. Now we talk about status effects mattering a ton in this game. Maybe we need to reiterate that. There's two major status effects throughout the game that matter the most. And poison is actually one of them between poison... And then Garrison does a ton of bleed attacks. These are two status effects that people brush off in most RPGs. Yeah, like five damage here, four damage here. Yeah, so I will say, and you won't probably won't believe me when I say this. I figure with my, I didn't, I don't know how much poison I did, but my, with Garrison with his bleed abilities, I had bleed kill probably twenty five percent of the enemies in my game. Enemies just just dying from bleed so very often because it's not just ticking away minute amounts. Your status of your character can change the damage bleed can stack garrison can increase the damage each time and then eventually garrison can, can have bleed bleed damage crit and stuff like that it's crazy how powerful and useful all this stuff is and again on top of that the only things bosses seem to be immune to is stunning everything else boss all bosses are susceptible to poison and bleed like you can literally bleed and poison bosses to complete oblivion they, they can do nothing about it one of the weird things about the stats effects is you do fight a plethora of enemies mm-hmm. Some of them being literal robots. Yeah, robots and skeletons that you can bleed to death. Or poison. Yeah. Like you can't you know you can't poison a machine and you definitely can't poison or bleed a skeleton. Yeah. But this well, game says, you know what? I bled plenty of robots and tanks and skeletons in this game. So, uh, I thought it was funny the first time because I thought maybe they would make it not work and change the change the battle strategy, but they're like, nah, these skeletons bleed. Everything bleeds, everything, apparently. Everything bleeds in battle chasers. So that handles our rogue, just a status slinging, non getting hit. Well one of her big things is it's called like shadow sneak well she'll turn invisible and she can't get hit until she doesn't attack but if you do the shadow sneak plus something called like backstab she can deal up to 400 percent her attack attack power cool attack power so that's pretty she's like most rogues she'll situationally amazing yeah i never dug too deep into her her or no one or the final character our final guy is aluman a-l-u-m-o-n aluman he's pretty much We'll call him a Dark Knight because he does have heals. He does have like hurt and vampiric attacks where like he hits somebody and then he'll heal the weakest enemy. But a lot of his stuff does involve him hurting himself to deal more damage or having at least some sort of like, ooh, this attack takes two turns to hit. But when you do hit, it does 200% damage, but you take 10% of your health away. Yeah, I don't remember his character. Because I only used him in one dungeon. Mm-hmm. Each of the characters in that one that one dungeon. There's a dungeon, not really a spoiler, there's a boss fight 
later in the game where the boss is literally just shadow versions of your current party and I you got to complete the mystery for an achievement so I had used the other three characters once throughout this dungeon so that's the only experience I got with them so I don't remember his build for some reason or the way he plays his things are because he doesn't sling stats fixes his, What's his whip at a shield? It's a shield and he has that mace. The whip chain like a, mace. Kind of like a... That's like not a, a flail because it shoots out and comes back. It's like a whip mace. I, whip so I, don't, I don't have another... Not like a Castlevania thing. Like a chain whip up Castlevania or something like that. Yeah. He's your dark knight is what he's mm-hmm. going to do. He he can hit heavy. He can also cast shields. He cast shields? Mm-hmm. But he's not gully casting shields on everybody. He casts shields on one person at a time. Mm-hmm. And usually at a cost to his health. But most of his stuff can heal him as well. Because he has a lot of... Um, I've, always been, I've always been against hurting a character to have them do things. It's classic Dark Knight bullcrap that I've never... I'm not a huge fan of it personally. I, I did use him probably the least because I, I don't like playing like that. Mm. I used... I did. I don't see how he pairs well with the other characters either. He does. Unless some of his stuff does magic damage, he can pair well with Nolan. A lot of his... Well, he's... Pretty much. That's what pretty much would happen because like you have gully and garrison 100 percent strictly physical and then everyone else has a mix of magic and physical mm-hmm. so they can all kind of be swapped out and blended together pretty well i did i guess i read online like uh strategies people using for aluman can make him broken by using a certain bill with his on his perks we've been saying perks a bunch characters have two separate perk trees on each side there are two sets of perks they can get you get perk points for starting at level five you get perk points every level and you get perk points for treasure maps which lead to treasures on the world map that give you books that teach skill points to your characters current party wait character your choice specific character current party and then all characters yeah, there's different books for all of those, but but they do. Each character does have two perk trees, and those perk like if you go down one side, typically it seems like you're meant to play down, fa- pick a favorite side more or less, and go down that because all the perks down one side all play off each other. Your two perk trees are essentially an offensive perk tree and then a defensive perk tree is what it seems to be. Kinda. Except uh, Garrison don't get that much defense, I guess. He get he has one health boosting perk. His stuff seems to be getting his speed up a little bit. Quick example: a lot of all of Garrison's attacking side all deal in raising his attack power, making him crit more often, and increasing bleed hits and stuff like that. Bleed damage, bleed chancing, because he has the thing like Monica had her poison crit. He has bleed crit. When anytime he hits a critical, it causes bleed. That, oh yeah, that's right. That's right. But then on top of that, you have to increase bleed damage, and then you have the ability to get your bleeds to crit. crit. <laughs> so you're. So that's this one. So his has a full attacking side. Yeah, a good, I guess easy defense one would be. An easy defense one would definitely be. We'll say we'll go down gullies. She's yeah. the most defensive one. Hers give her a boost in HP, a boost in I think physical and magical defense. But yeah, because for Bredo, he I think he has a choice. You say physical or magical? No, I think he might have a bit. Nolan's is all magical defense. It's yeah. to the point like by the end of the game, he won't take magic damage. And Monica's is you won't hit her. Yeah, she just won't get hit. You tend to, uh, as you play through, you, you kind of, I think most people would be trying to balance, but you come to realize in the later parts of the game, because each of the 
per trees have additional perks on top of them for putting more points into that thing unlocking uh, what they call it even further abilities down that perk tree so you end up sacri kind of sacrificing one side to make the other side more powerful but then if you end up doing it that way don't feel bad because if you want to do the new game plus as i played through new game plus my three characters got their full perks that I, all the perks I wanted on both sides of the board, so they become fairly godlike by the second playthrough. You had enough left over to nitpick and still pick yeah. other. Would you like? Yeah. Well, normally I wouldn't pick this, but I have the spare points, so why not make yeah. my characters even better? Yeah, they were crazy, crazy powerful. Mm -hmm. They get crazy powerful with these perk tree splits. Cause how to explain? You don't get your first perk points. Until like level five, I said that yeah. I, you, I tried to. That's why I tried to explain the yeah. perks with the level five. The you get perk points, and then you get them when, when you level up. You get two per level, and then every fifth level after level five, I think it's like four. You get like yeah. And this game unfortunately has one of the things I hate most in RPGs is a level cap. Yeah, a horrible, horrible level cap at level thirty. You could hit level thirty two dungeons before the end of the game if you've been probably. If you've gone through every dungeon on all the difficulties to yeah. get better equipment and etc., yeah. or if you're trying to like max out your bestiary and all that, you need to go through them multiple times anyway. Because one of the other cool things it does, oh, bestiary, is the once you go through the bestiary, there are these things uh, called beast perks. Yeah. So you have your character's regular stats getting boosted by their equipment, which they have normal equipment like weapon, armor, and accessory. Ring and trinket. Ring and trinket. So their stats are getting boosted by all of that. And then you have their stats getting further boosted by their their normal perk trees. So they're already like, you know, people are already powerful enough. And then you start really early in the game, you start seeing, you look in your best area and you start seeing it start counting all the stuff you're fighting. And then you start figuring out that you're going to have beast perks, which say you kill 50 bats you get a permanent 1% attack power increase across the board for all your characters, and that's just one enemy type. You know, Every enemy type, not every individual enemy itself, but every, all the enemy, different enemy types have perks that you get for killing so many, and then there's sometimes there's like even special bosses that have a perk all their own. So you end up stacking all these immense tons and tons. Some of them are just 20, 25 or more beast perks probably. Yeah, there's quite a few because some of them are just as simple as, oh, 5% more experience, which becomes pretty null and void once you hit the level cap, which is lame. More money found, which is fantastic. But the main one you're looking at is like, like Drew said, most of it like ain't nothing more than like maybe a 1 or 2%. Yeah. But all the percentages just stack on top of each other and mm -hmm. just make them. I wish there was a, uh, there's not a screen that tells you your total boosts. I wish there was a screen that told you your total boost across the board. You could scroll through it, just add it up yourself. I'm lazy. I wish it was just a screen that was like, here's all your beast bonuses. It does do a lot of behind the, the scenes number. Like you, like you said, you can find them. They're not hidden. It's not hidden. Really. Like You'll see. But I'm not going to... If, if it's doing the math for me, I'm okay with that. And yeah. it never did anything. Well, I was like, I really feel like I should be hitting harder. Uh, if anything, I was yeah. like, I feel bad for these enemies. I felt bad for a lot of enemies, especially... 
there wasn't a boss I don't think I struggled with the entire game. I, I spent most of the time. I did a little grinding early on that Blake didn't do, so put me like I went to like level five before the first dungeon, which Blake didn't feel the need to do that. And from that point forward, I was over leveled throughout the other and a few other things that Blake had told me about other stuff. I don't know if you want to dig into the sky pirates and stuff like that. A few other things that got me some level boosting ahead of what Blake did on his initial playthrough. Yeah. Made, I, I really made my playthrough probably easier than what his was because we usually end up guinea-pigging one or the other on lots of different games we play. And you didn't seem to complain too bad about... You moaned and complained early. You're like, this is so hard. Why is everything just hitting me so hard? And I was like, don't worry, it gets easier. Yeah. And then... yeah, the, first, the first dungeon is actually kind of rough. That's before you learn... One, you haven't learned what your characters can do, per se, and you actually haven't learned all your abilities. Your characters do learn... You have a phenomenal abilities. Yes, you have a, a few basic attacks at first, but as they level up, all up to, I think, level 27 or 28, each character tends to learn their last abilities. Every every two or three levels, you're learning a new attack or a new ability of some sort, and all they do is play off each other and make your character even more and more powerful. There's so many tons of different builds and things that we probably didn't even think of. I, I went with an easy garrison crit build, which makes him critting more than 25-26% of the time. He also has a fantastic perk that stacks mm. that for every attack he does yeah, it increases his, his crit by like what one or two percent one percent yeah one, i think it's a one percent increase each time he attacks he yeah. gets a thing but that's the increase it has a max stack of uh what eight, eight like that, yeah. per per fight though per too yeah it, it lasts the whole fight it doesn't wear off he gets one like that garrison gets one no sorry uh calibretto gets one that each time he gets hit he has, his defense goes up is it all I think it just says defense. defense goes up, yeah. So that's magic and physical. It just says defenses yeah. go up by 1%. It per. stacks or something like that, too. And then goalies was, seems random. Hers was every time she gets hit, her attack goes up, which I didn't really see the well, that major also point in that. For shields. Every time she gets hit, like you, you have her uh, yeah. cast taunt and get hit two or three times, and then she casts her big shield on everybody, and it gets a bigger boost. So it, this game shines if you're willing to put in just a modicum of thought on yeah. its combat system being yeah. just fantastic because you can just build each character it does flow really well leading from one attack to the next and planning perfect setup for a, a powerful attack from garrison because he can he has abilities that will one increase the party's speed and then he has an ability that say he does a, an attack it'll increase his crit chance by 10 percent for the next three attacks or three turns i think it's three turns mm -hmm. So you'll do that, so you've got three turns, and then as Garrison does that, his turn goes, he's ready for three turns. Calibretto has another crit increasing ability himself, his last for two turns, so you activate him, and when Garrison's turn comes back around, because Gully don't really have one, Garrison's turn comes back around, he has another attack called Faint, I think, which then increases his next attack by 25% damage, so he already has like a 25% like a increased crit chance on top of his already normally around 25% crit chance. Chance he already has, and his next attack will do 25% more damage on top of that. On top of having both Bretto punch for Sunder and Gully use her Sunder Fist, so they're already so, double yeah, Sunder. So, so they do all that Sundering, so the enemy's already down 15 or 20% physical defense. Mm -hmm. Garrison's boosted up. He's ready to go. His main two things really seems to be either maybe Berserker or his final. They do have what do they call them? battle bursts, Elite. which are pretty much limit breaks if you played Final Fantasy. Each character has three. Garrison's final is 
basically Omni Slash. So imagine that getting boosted by a crit chance, you know, 50% crit chance, 50% <laughs> crit chance, 25% additional damage, and all his crits cause bleed on top of that. He'll get bleed. Or he has another ability, if you, if his bar isn't, the bar isn't filled up for the battle bursts, he has Berserker, is that what it is? Berserker which hits like eight times in each one. No, Berserker hits like three times, or three initial hits, but every crit adds an additional hit. So if his crit chance is out the roof, For a I think it maxes, eight hits. maxes out at eight hits. Yeah. So if he crits, he can do an eight hit. If he keeps critting, which is almost guaranteed at that point, he'll do an eight hit combo, which are probably critting. And if you're critting, you're also getting the crit bleed and bleed stacks. And if anything survives that, it's next turn it dies from the bleed. One thing we haven't gone in about is I just kind of realized it. Some of other Garrison's primary attacks, he has a thing called Rage Wave, which hits everybody. Yeah. Which is beautiful. Yeah. But his big boy attack is the uh, the Warblade. Which one is that? The one that takes his overcharge. Oh, yeah. We haven't talked talk about, about overcharge. overcharge. Overcharge, you characters build up. Not every turn, but you can get, you can get other abilities. Yeah. yeah. Every. Basic physical attack you do. You build up overcharge. Yeah, another thing is that build up overcharge. Overcharge is just like having bonus. For most characters, it's just extra MP. I played through most of the game just about only using overcharge and rarely ever dipping into my main mana pools for my characters. You can get so much overcharge anyway. But specifically, overcharge does for Garrison is he has an ability that called Warblade, which does bonus damage based on how much overcharge he uses up to 60 points, I think. 40, and you upgrade it to 65. 60 points. Or something like 60, that. 65, and then it does a, multiplies the damage. So you can do, like, the setup I said earlier with the boost the crit chance with him, boost the crit chance of Calibretto, and then faint to increase his 25% damage, and then do Warblade with a full overcharge bar. And that had me <laughs> hitting Garrison for critting on numbers of single hitting crits that doing more damage than any enemy had HP in the entire game. There wasn't a single boss in the game that had enough HP to survive him critting a fully powered up Warblade and it was nuts. I sent Blake a video of my the highest crit. The number won't mean much to anybody but the highest crit I meant, I'm sure people online have crushed this, but the highest crit I meant was it, was it 71,000 damage? It's like 72,000 damage. On a single enemy and I think the last boss I think the last boss on New Game Plus had like 50,000 health or something like that or 60,000 health there was nothing that was surviving that most things don't survive a warblade even a not even fully charged warblade most things didn't survive it anyway no it was just his single hitting his most devastating move especially if you already had the build up of the berserker and the faint and all that stuff yeah like i said that's just one character all the characters have their own specific way of building them I, just, I, I highly doubt anything hit anybody hits like i don't even think you said no one gets a high attack power i don't think anything hits like garrison does. i'm not talking damage i'm talking about just a combo they can do like gully's got the ones a lot of what is this called like barrier punch yeah that whenever she punches somebody 75 percent of that damage goes to the weak person with the lowest health and increases and gives them a, a shield that was 75 percent of that damage yeah and stuff like that, and so you can build her up like that by giving her an attack boost and do this and do the speed thing, so then she gets a crit punch on that hit and gives Garrison even a bigger shield on top of... Yeah. And one of her better abilities, because most of the, the battle burst things aren't terribly noteworthy, but her initial one is the barrier assault, I think it's it is. Barrier so, she puts a, so it helps if you already have barriers on your characters, a barrier assault 
already puts a puts a, a fresh barrier on, on your entire party it gives everybody a 10 percent attack bonus as long as they have an active barrier mm-hmm. on them so that and, and all this stacks on top of everything else and, i mean we go back to garrison if he already has a 10 percent boost and a 25 percent boosts himself i mean you hit these astronomical numbers of damage these people can put out they're beautiful it spends most of the time you just feel bad for enemies that get in your way i quite often slaughter things that i had no business slaughtering that i could have just used normal attacks on and i'm like i had some overcharge or have something kind of in, in the red i'm like oh let's just go big and you would disintegrate little regular enemies just because they just happen to be there you never want to show mercy showing mercy is for the weak yeah <laughs> And, Gar- and if it's Garrison's character, what little story these characters have, Garrison doesn't seem like a mercy kind of guy. He wouldn't hold back. Yeah. Speaking of, whenever I'm speaking of anything, I want to talk about a little bit about the the sound design. There's an, a particular sound effect that happens every time uh, Calabretto yeah. does well, his basic gut punch. Yeah. And it, it just goes to show how their attention to detail. Because like I said, he's a giant mech, a giant machine. And you can hear the pistons go. You hear the gears and the steam. Every time he takes his, it's called gut punch. It's his basic standard attack. I heard it hundreds of times. Yeah. And not once did I go, I don't like how, I don't like how that sounds. I, it, it filled me with joy every time. Yeah. Because you, you hear him jump, his legs jump, he hits the ground, you hear the gears wind up, and then just like, boom! Like the pistons shoot, that punch goes off. Yeah. Oh my god, that... All the solid punches, even Gully's little, her little basic little attack, sounds real solid. And Garrison's slicing things, but everything has sound and effects and stuff like that. You don't really get tired of hearing The throughout. other one that's very super rewarding, you're talking about Garrison getting crits, and sometimes mm-hmm. he gets like eight crits in a row with Berserker using his Omni Slash, which is like 13 or 20 slashes, mm-hmm. and getting so many crits. The crit noise, <laughs> I'm sure they would have got sued if they actually used the exact tone, but it's basically like hitting a coin block in Mario. <laughs> It's a ting. It's a, the little ching of a coin. Yeah, you hear it a lot, and it's just so satisfying to hear because it, it's a loud one. So you hear like all this the heavy battle music, and then Garrison unleashes a combo, and you hear ka-ting, 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 and yeah. you and you just just fills you with joy. Uh, some of those just special <laughs> sounds were just just beautiful. So I get the so we'll say like. The combat is the biggest draw for this game. I guess we forget the, the art itself because it is along the, the lines. If you enjoyed the the Dark Siders art style, is all over this. All the enemy designs look great. The characters. I feel like Calavero is probably the coolest character. The, the mech guy. Everybody else is. Garrison is just a swordsman. Gully's just a little girl with some gloves. Everybody's okay. I feel like it shines quite a bit well, in enemy design. Well, it's, like, it's not just your main cast. You do have your um, home base. You can talk to a few of the other... Uh, oh, yeah, there's other, other characters that run the stores and stuff like but, that. But, actually, character design is very exaggerated, maybe? Because the people, like, you have... Like, the dwarf guy was definitely a dwarf and huge hands and a big nose and a man beard. Mm-hmm. And then you had the... It's very, I want to say exaggerated. Yeah. And not even caricature, but very exaggerated, distinct art. And I yeah. loved the art. Everything yeah, yeah. was definitely hand... Not hand-drawn, but it was... Yeah. It's beautiful. clearly... It's rare in the games that you see it, but you could tell that when you... Say you played Darksiders years ago and you kind of forgot about it and you see this game. This game's art, this dude's style is so specific that you'd be thinking like I know this art oh yeah like I've seen this where it would drive you crazy until you googled the guy and figured out that he did all the designs and stuff for Darksiders like it's a specific style that you'll recognize and know and it looks good and has cool looking everything pretty much and like he drew all the comics 
Yeah, all the comics, all the, all the comic book stuff that. is him. Yeah, we did about all the combat stuff. Combat is the main draw, so combat is fantastic. Don't go in this for story. You'll be disappointed in the story, for sure. It's not nothing to hate. Like, some characters have some good lines every now and then. It's very uncommonly voice acted. There's some voice acting in it, but it's not. It's, you're not getting full-blown cutscenes. Uh, I guess some of the other animated cutscenes are done in comic book style. Yeah, like the opening well, they're not, well, they're not really animated. They're kind of done in the comic books. Um, Little panels. Panels and stuff like that. But those are voiced. You don't get a lot of that. You're not really... Don't go on this for the story. You're, you'll quickly learn at the, the beginning parts of the game that the combat is where it's at. And between combat, we mentioned earlier, is the dungeons. There is eight dungeons in the game that you end up playing through. I feel like this game kind of wears thin around five or six. At that point, about dungeon five or six, you're like... I'm pretty much done with this game. By then, you're coming up on max levels. You've got a lot of perks. Your what else? Like perks, weapons. Like you're kind of getting. You got the feel of the characters. You know what's going down. And then you kind of you realize if you because you can scope around the world map a little bit with your analog stick. And there's like there's more to the game. You're kind of get a worn thin. I feel like I don't think they needed eight dungeons to go through. I think you spoke about it earlier, or maybe we did it in private. The game definitely probably could have had two less dungeons. Yeah. And probably about 15 or 30 more cutscenes to make me they, appreciate the characters more. They could have diverted some some development time because there's not enough story. Your your reasons to go into all these dungeons is like a line of dialogue to go to each one of these dungeons. So uh, I feel like there could have been different things done. This is their first game. A lot of this stuff might... Who knows how much people have talked to them and stuff like that, how much fan feedback they got, everything like that. If they would change it all, do less dungeons and kind of give her more character development and stuff like that. Maybe people just don't care. Because I recommend this game to people even though it ain't got barely any story because the combat's so good. We'll find out if they listened when their next game comes out, uh, Darksiders Genesis. Yeah, so they did get, ironically, the dude's getting to go back and work on Darksiders, sort of, again. If y'all have seen any trailers for the new Darksiders Genesis game, the sort of Diablo-esque prequel to Darksiders, uh, you'll see that it's being developed by Airship Syndicate, so it's kind of neat. He's getting to go back and work on the franchise he helped create, which is kind of neat, but it's more of an action RPG. It looked like the it, the gameplay looked kind of like Diablo, but with Darksiders characters, but we're not going to talk about that right now. Me and Blake will surely be playing that game. And we're not going to delve into each dungeon. No. We'll say there's eight. Not really any sense in saying all their names. We do want to point out, I think there's two things. Music-wise, we both really the general soundtrack's pretty good. You get used to the combat theme and stuff like that. The overall, I like the overall theme. I don't, I don't want to say too many songs because I can't play them on top of each other. But we we did both agree that the first song that really jumps out and gets you is the the third dungeon called Junk Town has one of the first more upbeat themes. They actually kind of reached out and grabbed me kind of bit. I was yeah. like, this is a kicking little tune right here. I can dig this, and you get to listen to it multiple times. Listen to it for a long time because you do run through dungeons multiple times. You can because you can you, you can choose to you can choose to it's not required but you can pump the difficulty up of a dungeon easy normal and hard i think or it's, it's got different names but there's, there's three choices and each thing increases the difficulty of the enemies which in turn gives you better loot and stuff like that throughout the dungeon not necessary except you do need to beat if you want to do for achievements you got to beat all eight dungeons on the third one which i think legendary. is legendary 
which is no problem. It does help you get super powerful if you just run through each dungeon three times, which really makes the game extremely long, which I kind of ended up doing because the first because you it helps you with your completing your bestiary and stuff like that. Because there's they do a really annoying thing with making the certain enemies rare, and you got to fight a rare enemy three or four times to complete its bestiary, which I thought was a bad choice. About how long was your overall game time? The entire game plus New Game Plus, how long was your gameplay? <laughs> my entire, uh, so my base game, when I completed the initial playthrough, I think was right, either right at or right under 60 hours. And then when I busted through, I was kind of wore out on the game, but I knew, because there's, you know, because we're, we're achievement whores, there's an achievement for starting New Game Plus and then completing New Game Plus. I knew if I didn't, like Blake had told me he had already done it, if, he, if I don't start New Game Plus now, I'll probably never come back to the game. Like we said, the, the final couple of dungeons, you're just like, oh my God, this game needs to end. I did, so we're, we're talking 59, 60, 60 or so hours of initial playthrough. I busted through New Game Plus in about five hours. <laughs> You said 65 hours? 65 or 66. I think my final time was 65.7 hours, something like that. So you could destroy the vast knowledge you accumulate helps you destroy a, a, you new, a new game play. plus. Like I completely wrecked everything. And you don't have to do every single thing. There's lots of side quests and hunts and other random things you do throughout your initial playthrough that makes it really, really, really long. And I was, can I, I was able to do like a nitpick the things I wanted to do as I went through. Because I didn't do all the ultimate weapons and stuff like that. You kind of optimize your path. And I also didn't run through the dungeons multiple times. I was just barreling through the game at mock speed, destroying everything in my path. And that's the way to do it. Yeah. So back around to the dungeons real quick before we wrap this bad boy up. Boy doesn't quite remember it, but then there's another song that caught my attention, and it was the, I guess, the general theme that plays inside of Dead Watch. It was more of a mellow theme, and I don't know why it caught my attention, but I did enjoy listening to it play throughout my time there. There's certain notes or melodies inside that theme that just, you know, they caught my attention and put a good mood in for that place. I know you say you don't really remember it. The only one I distinctly remember was like, as soon as I was like, ooh, was junk. I was like, I dig this funky beat. Yeah, Junk Town's got a good beat to it. I don't know if any of the other ones have. Just stand up. I did like, because there is a world map, not like a big time world map, but you're kind of running around on a pretty good sized world map, I guess. But it, did you realize the, the overworld theme changed a little bit? When you got up north, it got more grandiose when you're up north in the mountains. Oh, because you're, you're elevating towards the, the I, end. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's any reason to it, but did you not happen to notice that the overworld theme changed up north? I don't not really. I, really was, noticed, huh? I was a little burnt out by the end. I was, I, yeah, I was too. I was still listening to that kind of that kind of stuff. That was really because this theme does. I mean, there's a there's a theme for when you're cause you're standing in the town, which is literally the center of the map. Mm-hmm. Conveniently enough, the town has its own little theme that plays. I don't really remember it that well, but I did notice as you ran around the map, and then you headed up north. And once you get up north, it kind of has this kind of like a escalated to like a escalated to like it. And the song kind of builds and builds and builds, and it's kind of like a really cool, interesting sounding overworld theme. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, there's not much to the dungeons. Like Blake said, a minute, like an hour ago, there the layout is randomized. There's like a certain number of rooms that are attached to each other, and the it's just a, a random layout each time. It I assume it was to keep you it not being a drag to play through a dungeon multiple times. It's like it's like they want you to play through multiple times to get better and better loot, but it's. Your level, for me, my levels never were matching too well. Like my level was too high. I always had equipment that wasn't up to my level. And the dungeons only go, only get so powerful before you're beyond that dungeon. So I was often, my power level was a, a dungeon or two ahead of myself throughout most of the game. So that always kind of threw me off. 
quite a bit, but they are randomized, except for certain places have certain events you have to do. Like some of them have a, a mid-boss that's always there, and they all, you will fight the same boss, not the, I mean, each dungeon has its own specific boss. You will fight each time. I think the first dungeon has a, a mid-boss. Dead Watch had a mid-boss. Dead Watch had a mid-boss. Yeah, we're not going to bother saying all the names of the places, it, it doesn't add to it at all. But you do really just run from to a dungeon, small cutscene, you're told where to go next, you run across the map to the next place, cutscene, sort of, you do what you got to do there, they kind of point you in the direction of the next place, you do just a little path around the map, and then with not the, not the best story I've ever been told. It's definitely not the worst, though. Yeah, I think the worst. But you kind of um, run around and kind of you're. Uh, you do. I guess the the basicness of it is that you are crash landed on, on an island that these people that your characters have never been to before. And there's something bad. There's a big bad guy on the island, and your Garrison don't seem to care about the bad guy. To be honest, I uh, forget Garrison more or less wants to find his friends, and then after you find all your friends, he just kind of shuts up the rest of the game. He's like, "Let's get out of here," and you're like, yeah. "But." Yeah, then uh, mostly Goli, I think, feels like she feels the need to uh, help the island and kill the, the bad guy. And then that's when Alamon gets involved and wants to do all that mess, too. So there's not really spoilers. You, you know, fight some bad guys and saving the day. Hope there's another game. It does. They're, cl- they're clearly... Well, it's open-ended, like yeah. some like some RPGs. I don't want to spoil too much, but uh, we'll see if they after they do. Cause, you know they're knee deep in Darksiders right now, so hope after maybe Darksiders they'll announce another RPG. I don't know so much. I would want another RPG, particularly in in Battle Chasers. I kind of wish they would do another RPG, maybe with a different cast. If it makes sense, like like a different like a new IP, mm-hmm. but use that combat system. Cause I'm not attached to these characters in any kind of way. Yeah. So I just hope if they do make another one, uh, to either let this carry over somehow or uh, increase the level cap. I hate level, level cap. Sucks. Level cap was so dumb. The new game plus it, it doesn't happen until either the next, the next to last and final dungeon, and including the last boss are all they all break level cap, but you don't get in to new game plus. Yeah, yeah new game plus. I still. <laughs> I think Blake said because I was I was more prepared. I'm not going to go on to it again. Blake said he the final boss, and I was warned in one of the guides too. We had about the final boss. How you had to be lucky in New Game Plus to fight the final boss because it can under the right conditions. I guess it can kill you, wipe your party out in a single go. Mm-hmm. When I fought it in New Game Plus, it 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 only got to attack one time, and Gully soaked it up with barely a, a scratch, and the boss didn't get to attack again that says anything so well, you're welcome for prepping you prior because i didn't yeah. get the prep work because i was too i wanted to experience the whole game so i used all the characters yeah except for the game plus a couple of rounds with the last boss i guess which is even losing to the last boss isn't a big deal it's a weird thing you end up going to the place up north and it's not a dungeon you kind of just walk it's up to the straight boss walk up some stairs to the yeah. final boss I thought that was strange i thought, thought there'd be like a whole dungeon glad there wasn't i was kind of I'm mean, sick yeah, of it at I that was, point. I did not want another dungeon. Anything else? I mean, I feel like uh, we did spend all most of the time on the combat, and that's by a long shot the most important part. That I hope the company is at least proud of that combat okay. system. It's rare, and it sucks nobody's really nobody's really talking about this game that much. Even RPG groups and stuff like that were in that nobody talks about how good, like like genuinely good this combat. It's better than most turn-based combat around. I mean, even if. People would always bragged about like Final Fantasy X and stuff like that, and X does not take half the no. Final Fantasy X, I should say, doesn't take anywhere near.
fear the strategy and I don't say concentration is the right word, but 10, you can just kind of barrel through and throw in a couple of magic spells and be done with it. This actually takes thinking and planning your turns and making your, make sure the right character, because you've got to, well, not to mention and managing your stats to kind of always make sure that if you want, if you want Garrison sundering people that he always needs to be attacking before anybody. So you always managing and make sure his haste yeah, is a brotherhood. Yeah. Bretto. When ten, you also have the ability later on to make everybody everybody. Yeah, and so <laughs> you can take away uses of characters like you know certain characters is good for hitting the flying enemies, but you're like, well, you know what? How about I just I don't like you as a character. I'm going to take one of the characters I do like down yeah, that path yeah, yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah, it's off my head, man. I don't feel like there's any other turn based that RPG. builds upon itself like that. Yeah, that works so well and meshes the characters in combat so well. I know great other games like Legend of Lagaya, but that they don't there's, build on there's themselves. No it's mesh, there's no combat. mesh in there. It's just good combat. Yeah, it could be a standalone. If anybody knows of any other games kind of like this, well, I know a lot of video games. Hard press for anybody to surprise me with a game that I don't know about already. <laughs> yeah. This one is unique for the combat, and it deserves more notice. Well, I mean, it did well enough. The company's obviously still around. They get to make another games and stuff like that. I just wish people would, would notice it more, I guess, is the thing. It, it, it needs to be spoken about. It definitely needs to be spoken about. Combat is so good. And so many RPGs, even turn-based RPGs, have really lazy, bad turn-based combat. So many do. I think that's all I got for it. I like the game quite a bit. I say it does wear on a little bit on the lather end. I weirdly enough, when I started New Game Plus, I was kind of invigorated. It was weird. I told Blake when I turned on the first time, I was running across the map, circling around to the first dungeon. I was like, I'm just kind of feeling this again because you get to start New Game Plus and you have you have all your abilities, but you're reset to level one. But you keep your beast perks and you keep all your attacks and stuff you had. And you lose all your equipment and you keep your perk points. And you keep all your perks. So you have like you know, you're slightly stronger than you were, but there's such a difference in that game between when I first go to that first dungeon and I don't really know how to play the game and I go back through even though I'm I guess I'm sort of I'm not weaker the enemies are higher level than they were but like I know how to play and I have a full roster of abilities to use now at my disposal racking them and just destroying I don't think most bosses most of the normal bosses throughout the game didn't even get to attack me especially on your game plus you should be able to wreck them yeah, most literally, it was a setup in a way of boosting speed and attack power, and then boss would drop in the first turn. Well, because so. the first couple of dungeons, you wouldn't even have access to like faint and berserk and yeah. stuff like that. And you're all these things, you have access to all of them. So I don't know. So I feel like though, it, let's say it drags in the end, but I felt really good about running through a new game plus. I mean, pretty rapid fire. I mean, you did it over over a series. It of took me a yeah, I, I could a couple, I couple of weeks probably. I was running because <laughs> well, I was trying too much. I realized I, was I would. I got to a point when I was through. doing my new game plus, and I said I did it four or five hours. I was running two dungeons a night, just crushing them. So I got through it. It's I don't know. It's worth. It's fun. We did do all the. Uh, we did one k at one k at both yes, for both of us. I didn't. I don't regret it at all. A good uh, walkthrough on TA. Was there a walkthrough on TA? There's a walkthrough on TA, but the game uh, barely anything is missable. Yes. So you kind of. I didn't really use a walkthrough. I took well a few things you told me, and I rolled with the few things you told me. Because like, you there was, go, a, there was a certain enemy you could miss and stuff like that early in the game, which yeah, I mean, I told me about that. They can Google it themselves. And there's nothing really to miss, especially yeah. with dungeons being randomly generated. Yeah. <coughs> and you can run through them many times, as many times as you want, doing as many things you need to do. I think that's it. I definitely think it's worth it. I think you could buy it for like twenty bucks now, or yeah. cheap, give or take. You got anything else for this? Not really. Yeah, you recommend it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I highly recommend Battle Chasers Night War. Yeah. I, we didn't really say much about the name. I, I feel... 
the poor the poor name of that game. People probably look at the name of that game and they're like, I am not playing this phone game. This is retarded. But uh, the, don't judge it by its name. It I will say the game is named. I mean, it's based off the dude's comic ninety you know back nineteen nineties comic books like this. It's named poorly. I don't know. It's still a really great game. I guess since we've pretty much covered that, we covered everything we wanted to say. Combat being the best. We we're gonna throw a movie on the end of here. I'll let Blake pick this up. What movie did you pick for today? I picked The Reef. Oh, gosh. Yeah. With me and Jessica watched The Reef, and it was uncomfortable enough that I recommended it for Blake to watch at a later date. <laughs> kind of quickly. Came out in 2010. It's an Australian horror movie. Mm-hmm. It was written and directed by the same dude, a fella named Andrew Tuyuki. 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 T-A-T-T-R-U-K-I. My bad. T-R-A-U-C-K-I. Yeah. This is actually his second film. His first film was called Blackwater, based in 2007, and that's actually based on a apparently very documented real-life alligator attack, December 2003, and he based it off that. But this one, uh, as far as it's all just, he made all of this up, Reef. I'm sure that some stuff like this has probably happened, maybe not to this <laughs> extreme measure. But basically, the whole point of this is, no offense to anyone in the movie, but I don't think any of the actors are super famous, so I'm not going to worry about giving people their names. I'm just going to use their character names. There's Luke, Matt, Susie, Kate, and Warren. Basically, Luke and Warren work together at a a boat shop. People buy their boats and they give them to them. Rent boats, maybe? Mm -hmm. Matt is Luke's best friend. Susie is Matt's girlfriend. Kate happens to be Matt's sister and Luke's ex. So that's just a big little fam- uh, Ugh, dynamic yeah. of group right there. Not important in the scheme of things. I mean, it, it does. It just builds you to make you like these characters. But the whole point of the story is Luke is delivering a yacht to somebody in Indonesia. And, and or you can't. They figured it's faster to just go ahead and sail the ship to the person instead of trying to, like, ship it. <laughs> they're just gonna ship the ship. Yeah, they're literally gonna sail it over there and then fly back to from Australia to Indonesia. It might happen all the time, for all we know. Yeah, I don't know how far Indonesia is from Australia. Maybe it's not that far. No idea. But what happens? They're a few days into their journey, having a blast, good old time, friends having fun, and they go, "Oh, let's go check out this little deserted island. It's you know, it's gorgeous outside, and we're." ahead of our our delivery time so they pull up real close to this uh that's not a dune it's like that might be a sand dune it's just a i won't call it an island in the middle of the ocean yeah so i'm assuming some sort of like sand dune or something and so they go you know do what people in their mid-20s do strip down to their skivvies and swim over to this island and have a beer to and swim and have a good time for a few hours and while they're out there the water recedes and the boat actually gets stuck in the reef they didn't realize how close they were and they get stuck and so on and so forth they manage to get free but cause some severe damage eventually causing it to uh, capsize <laughs> which is what your standard middle of the ocean movie you wouldn't it wouldn't be a movie if the boat didn't sink yeah and here's where the movie starts to get real interesting and what i mean i'm not saying th- i'm not saying like jaws or megalodon or yeah. it is in fact a shark movie 
but I feel as though it is a very real representation. Because they have this really cool... Because you see the shark constantly throughout the whole movie. Or multiple, who knows. I think it's the same... It's portrayed as the same shark, but who knows. But they have a really cool camera trip where the people who are using the cameras, there is uh, two friends, and they're known for this. The whole point is it feels real gritty. This is outside the movie. This is it's outside the, the, the movie. footage they used for the movie. This is outside. It's a cool thing. It's two people who their whole job is they dress like your characters in the movie, and they literally go free diving with sharks. So they're insane. Yeah. And so how what they do is you have, because you can't see their face, because they use like a GoPro style camera like on their like on their chest or on their head so you see the hands and the feet and everything swimming underwater and they bleed because and they're also because they're well most of the time they're wearing a scuba suit or a diving suit so you can't really tell the difference between anybody and so they're using real life footage of these two homeboys mm. when i mean when i say free diving there is no cage it's these dudes with a mask and snorkel swimming with sharks which realistically I don't think sharks are man-eaters. They don't like... Well, from, scientifically, I think they don't like the taste of man. They like fish and seals, but you're in their home. They might take a nibble. It's not, you know, it's your fault. You shouldn't be there. <laughs> and so they have real cool... But what, like I said, I, I want to talk about that, that technique of bleeding actual real footage of these two people swimming with these sharks. Real sharks, yeah. But putting it in a situation where it makes you feel... The movie's edited it together in a way where like, you... To the point where, like, you see one of the characters... Because once the capsize happens, they take minimal... Well, the story is, one of the guys is like, Hey, let's down the boat with the black box. Yeah. The boat capsizes, but doesn't sink completely. The group is sitting on the bottom of the boat, sitting yeah. is it upside down. And so one of the group... One idea for the group is to stay with the black box and wait with no supplies. Or don the, the what swim gear they do have for the five people. None, right? Well, they have they some. They lost everything, didn't they? I mean, you can wear a swimming suit. It's yeah. not like it's damaged. So the one guy, I guess is what Blake's getting at, There's one, the other idea is this one guy was like, hey, I, I think I saw an island a few miles back that way. Like 12 miles. And he, he points in a direction, and of course all you see is water. And he's like... I'm pretty sure we could swim to that. Well, I'm assuming with this guy, his life being boats and nauticals and stuff, he probably has a fairly amazing internal compass, I would hope. Maybe. But he knew, he's like, let's swim west about 12 miles. Swim 12 miles. I can't. That tires me out thinking about it. But they use... So I think, is it a mixed group? I can't remember, it's been a while. So it's a mixed group, so some stay and some go. And they just kind of hop down in the water and... It's either stay there and die or take your chances of swimming. But it does... I'm, I'm kind of making it jokey and everything, but the point of the movie is the sheer realism that yeah. they're going for. And, like, it's so... It's one of the... Like, people say, it's an edge-of-your-seat thriller. I was not on the edge of my seat, but I was sit back trying to be relaxed, but the entire time I was tense. Like, my, my, my toes were curls or my hands were in fist, and I was... I've like, told I told Blake about it. I told a few other people that I, I've tried to get to watch the movie. People tend to kind of avoid shark movies as in general because they think all shark movies are silly. This isn't like Grammy winning performances or anything, but the movie itself and the way it's shot is so uncomfortable. Like Blake said, it's so tense.
tense and so uncomfortable for the majority of the movie. Like this movie, it it's completes itself completely serious. Like it's not. It's not jokey. It's not jokey all. at all. These people are in tandem, I guess, swimming. They swim so far they can't see the boat. They look one direction, they can't see the boat. They look the other direction, they can't see the island where they think they're going. And they're just swimming. And then the when the shark stuff gets involved, it starts hunting. The shark, sharks or shark, depending on. shark Just, to uh, just starts hunting them as, they, as they're just kind of kicking their way through the middle of the freaking ocean nowhere. God, it's hard to press the... The tension of the movie, I feel like, because it has to do a lot with the way it's filmed and the way, and like I said, the, the water footage and stuff like that. And the characters looking around like, you know, did you see it? There's a bit of the um, initial freaking out. Like, did you see that? I didn't see that. But normal stuff people do when they start freaking each other out a little yeah, bit and uh, stuff like that. Group paranoia, mass hysteria, yeah. something like that, group hallucination. But they go with, to keep, what's I'm looking for? realistically they're trying to keep the group what they're taking with them small and light so the main fella luke being i the more ocean savvy of the entire game, uh, group everyone gets in diving suits because diving suits going to help them protect them from hyperthermia and then he's like we can't take everything you leave everything behind what we're doing is he's like you get an oar you get an oar you get the boogie board, body board, and we're going to use these as flotation devices. So if we get tired, we can rest, but we need to make sure we go west. And how we know west is we're going to follow the sun. Who's not dumb? I mean, the idea is clearly insane, but given the options, maybe. He's not dumb about it. No. He ain't like, hey, bro, let's just go swim in that direction. The dude knows, sort of, in the given situation, he knows what he's talking about. And, like, to the point, like, he even packs a fanny pack of bottled water. Because you can't drink ocean water. Like, mm-hmm. but they even, too, he brings his, his tiny little fanny pack. He's got water. That's it. There's, they don't bring food. There's no point. They bring He brings water and string. Because he wants to tie the oars and the bodyboard together. Because, unfortunately, I guess they, I guess it's, I'm assuming it's really hard to swim 12 miles on ocean. With currents carrying you in random different directions. Mm-hmm. So, they, uh. They get tired, and they may or may not have had to go to sleep in the middle of the ocean with two oars and a boogie board. Yeah, when it gets dark in the movie. And that's it's it. Like, oh, that's rough. And it's, I feel my heart pounding, and my fingers are tensing up just thinking about, like, I, I wouldn't survive. Oh, I'd have been dead. I, I, stay, I don't think, to be honest, I don't think I would have gotten in the water. I would have sat on that boat till it sank and just died. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm there not. ain't no way I'm jumping into the ocean and just swimming to an island I can't see. Yeah, like, I, I don't, we won't spoil the results of the endeavor, but it, I, I'm, I'm dead. Yeah, you need to, you need to set them. It's one of those movies, like some movies, like you can pause and go do your stuff. This is you need to sit down, and we and the good news is I think this movie is probably shorter than this podcast. It's only ninety four minutes long. It's very short, and that's including credits. So it's yeah. probably less than that. It's probably like 80, 87 minutes or something. Yeah, you need to sit down and watch it, and don't get up if you're. I mean, like me, I you, you get to the part where they're in the water and stuff like. And once they hit in the water and stuff like that, the rest, from that point forward, you're just you might be enthralled. Maybe if you're if you're paying attention, you're not playing on your phone, you might already be kind of invested in what's going on. Like I said, I'm, I'm literally not kidding. I spent the latter probably like definitely the last thirty or forty five minutes. One of my hands was clenched the whole time. And I was just because I wasn't like freak, like freaking out, but I was just tense. Like, it's not a freak out kind of movie. It's, it's just quiet and subtle. It's and just suspense building yeah. and building. And to the point, like Drew said earlier, is there are red herrings. Like, did you see that? What was that? You're in the ocean. A lot of stuff swimming around you. Mm-hmm. I, you know, just 
dolphins, other schools of fish. Dolphin was it a shark? I don't know. What did you see? Or a turtle. Yeah, it could be anything. You know, and it's just... And then they oh, That's fun. That's why it's not fun. It's it's just a tense, good movie. If you ever... I don't know. It's weird to say if you're ever in the mood for a shark movie. These, if, It's just in general. Nobody's ever... I don't think people are ever really just looking for a shark movie. I, I love guess. shark movies. Yeah, most shark movies. But 95% of shark movies these days are just silly garbage. Most like of the time. Two-headed shark attacks. Sand sharks. Yeah. Megalodon versus giant actually, octopus. It's actually a shark movie that takes itself... Quite serious. quite serious, and it's it's interesting. It's I don't know what else there's to say. It's worth def, completely worth watching. Please, please watch it and let us know what you think. Yeah. I again, I, I don't want because there is a, not a half bad story. I mean, it's your standard story, but I'm not going to ruin it. It's all, I think it's all about being in that. Water. It's all the tense and the build up and the figuring out what was that, what happened. Is yeah. that what is this? What's going on? Who yeah. is that? What is that? So, um, I think I'm done without spoiling anything. Yeah, I do want people what's, please, please watch this. What's the number one rule? Do not watch a trailer. Yeah, just watch the movie. It, if I you think, watch a trailer, that shark will get you in your bathtub. <laughs> I think is streaming. Do we watch on Amazon? I think we're watching on Amazon Prime. Yes. Yeah, Prime. So I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere else, but just look it up. There is a pretty cool app that we should probably have told people about before. There is an app we use called Just Watch. I got it on Android. I'm sure it's on iPhones. It's a pretty cool little app. Search for a movie, and then it'll tell you everywhere it's streaming at, whether it's even regular free streaming like Netflix and stuff or other places you can rent stuff digitally and we use it for pretty much everything all the time and you can, the app is free and you can make a wish list too and keep an eye on movies you can click through your wish list and see if anything had popped up that had hit streaming since you had last checked I got a whole list of movies on here that we've been bumbling through so definitely look at the Just Watch app it helps you it helps you find things sometimes you're never sure if you're it's streaming or not as we're doing this I'm going to pull the, the reef up right now, actually. Oh, the reef, not the reed. Oh, it says there's a reef 2 high tide two years later. Is that a... a I don't a, know anything about that. A crappy sequel. Okay, so it shows, right now it's streaming on Amazon Prime and Shudder. Uh, Shudder is just a channel, a horror channel you can buy inside of Amazon for like $5 a month. Me and Jessica do it, of course, because we're all about the horror stuff. So yeah, it's, it looks like it's only on Amazon right now. But anyway, download that app. Look this movie up. If you got Amazon, go ahead and bust up in there and watch this movie and let us know what you think. I hope people are watching some of these interesting movies we put out there. We try to pick more, more off-the-beaten-path movies sometimes. I'm not going to like, hey, go out and see Avengers Endgame. Everyone saw that. I'm trying to pick stuff that people haven't seen or they're less likely to have seen at least, yeah. hopefully. Right we wrap it up as doing an old movie, and I'm not going to talk about the movie, but I will say I went and saw, me and Jessica went and saw Dr. Sleep, and it turns out it was actually pretty good. Uh, Blake hadn't seen it yet me me heard me heard do date nights with horror movies. Doctor Sleep was actually kind of fun if you're a fan of Stephen King stuff at all, and if you already know The Shining, it's clearly a direct sequel to The Shining. So it turns out that that was actually pretty good. I kind of went in slightly wary of it. One last thing, while um, trying to find the tagline for the movie, I did discover that the reef is actually based on true events. If so if you weren't unsettled before, it, somebody actually exp- maybe actually not to this extreme, but it it happened in a sense. Yeah, that's crazy. Was there a tagline, or is the movie? There's a tagline, and I will end the podcast with that when whenever we're ready. I'm done. I'm ready to hit it up. The reef. Pray you drown first. <laughs>